This is Victoria. I am otherwise engaged or possibly just ignoring your call. Leave a message. Victoria, I know it's been many hours since I last left a message. Assuming you're listening to these, and I have to believe you are, I hope it's not too unreasonable to think you may have started worrying about me. Or maybe not. Anyway, I've made it to New York, and in fact I'm somewhere past Buffalo, but not yet to Syracuse. Actually, I guess the main reason I haven't left any messages in a while is because, well, after Stoker Island, the journey has been rather uneventful. Nary a cultist to be found on this leg of my journey, it seems. Hmm, maybe I'd better find something made of wood to knock on. I've actually started reading Henry Armitage's journal or notebook, whatever it is, his notes on the Necronomicon, and I've learned some interesting things already. Like what the Necronomicon is. It's a grimoire, apparently, a book of ancient knowledge and spells, written by some madman many hundreds of years ago. Armitage actually has a lot to say about the book's history, but I just kind of skimmed through it. There are supposedly a few copies strewn about the world, and one of those copies is at Miskatonic University. Or at least it used to be. Remember, Armitage wrote this journal nearly a hundred years ago. What are the chances some old dusty library book is still in the university's collection? Pretty slim, I would think. But who cares, right? Why is this important? Well, it's important because, according to Armitage, the Necronomicon contains spells that are instrumental in allowing the Elder Gods, like Haster or Dagon or this Black Pharaoh guy, into our plane of existence. And that's what these cultists are trying to achieve. Or something. I don't know. That's what Armitage seemed to think, anyway. All I really do know is the cults must not have a copy of this Necronomicon. I think all they have is Armitage's commentary on the thing. Or had, rather, since it's now in my possession. But I'd bet they'd love to get their hands on this Necronomicon. I bet they think they can do all sorts of fun stuff with that bad boy. Is that what Michael's doing in Arkham? Trying to get his hands on the Necronomicon before these cults do? Trying to stop them from executing whatever plans they've got in motion? I just had a horrid thought, Victoria. What if these Haster or Dagon worshippers figured out Michael is working against them and did something to him. Is that why I haven't received any more letters from them? Oh god. Hold on, Michael. Hold on. Letters from Arkham, written and performed by S. Lee Benedict. The voice of Victoria is McKenna Beaker. Hey, it's me again. I'm on a long stretch of practically nothing and was getting peckish, so I stopped at a service station and, with a lack of options, have resorted to lunching on gas station food. They had fish and chips as well as other fried fare and warming bins under heat lamps. I know it probably seems like a bad idea to eat gas station fish, but like I said, I was hungry. 
It's pretty much as you'd expect, greasy and not very appetizing. I should probably see if they have some antacids. You know, for later. Hmm. So far, I'm not really sure why these cults are passing Armitage's journal back and forth. I'm less than a third of the way through it, so maybe that'll become clear, but so far I can't see why it's useful to them at all. Armitage's notes read like a diary, and each entry is dated, starting in 1929, and they go on for about a year. After writing about the history of the Necronomicon, he switches gears and starts making entries about the cults who want to use its spells for their nefarious purposes. His entries about the Brothers of the Yellow Sign don't tell me much more than I already know. But he does say they're the most prominent and ubiquitous of the three cults he mentioned in that letter I read you. He says some of these Haster followers infiltrated power institutions around the world. Kind of an Illuminati light, I guess? His notes about the esoteric order of Dagon are limited to an account of a man who encountered them in a coastal Massachusetts town called Innsmouth. In addition to worshipping Dagon, the cult supposedly made human sacrifices to a race of humanoid fish creatures called Deep Ones. (laughs) Several times he refers to and writes that he'll be on the lookout for those displaying, and I quote, the Innsmouth look. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, right? But as I was reading, I couldn't help but be reminded of that person I saw standing in the rain outside the inn on Stoker Island. And the way Armitage describes this Innsmouth look, that person had it for sure, I think. I'm getting a shiver down my spine just thinking about it now. Anyway, I haven't yet gotten to whatever Armitage has to say about that third cult he mentioned in his letter to Francis Morgan, the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh. He's mentioned them in the diary a few times, and each time it seems like he's loath to even bring them up. Like he's afraid to. I can't explain it, but I get the feeling these are the worst ones of them all. Okay, Victoria, I'm going to finish scarfing down this food and hit the road. More later. Stay safe. Victoria, I've had a lapse in judgment and find myself apparently on a road I did not mean to go down. I don't know how it happened. I mean, all I had to do was stay on the highway. I was getting pretty close to Syracuse. I intended to just stay on the highway, but then all of a sudden I was on some dirt road with no idea how I ended up here. I mean, it didn't seem like I blacked out or anything, but... I checked the GPS on my phone. It's acting like it can't quite get a lock on my location. I don't think this road is on any of its maps, which is why it's confused. But I do appear to be somewhere north of Interstate 90, in a woodsy area. No lights out here, so it's pretty dark. I think... Wait, I I see a sign. Hold on. It says, Carn Hollow Village, one mile ahead. Well, that's good news. Surely someone there can point me in the right direction. Ugh, what now? Uh, Victoria, my car just died. Are you kidding me? No. No, no, no. Ugh. It says I have a quarter tank of gas. Oh, for the love of... <sighs> Guess I'm walking to Carn Hollow Village. Typical. Just typical. Victoria, I'll call you later. Carn Hollow Village is... Well, it's deserted. And recently, by the look of it. I mean, full-on shades of Roanoke Island, if you remember that story from your history lessons. (laughs) What am I saying? Of course you remember it. You used to talk about it all the time when you were a kid. 
an early introduction, I suppose, to all the conspiracies and weird tales and cryptids that became major areas of interest for you well into your teens. But let me back up a bit. After my rental car broke down or ran out of gas or whatever, I followed the road on foot. I still had some leftover fish and chips, so I brought it with me, carrying it in the styrofoam container inside the plastic bag it had come in. I didn't want to leave it in the car to stink it up, thought I'd throw it away once I got to the village. I know this sounds like an extraneous detail, but it factors in if you'll just bear with me. I walked for about 20 minutes before seeing lights. The dirt road became cobblestones. Yes, you heard me right, cobblestones. They led me to a small thoroughfare with buildings on either side, all made of quarried stone, some with lights on inside, but all looking empty as could be. Businesses with names like Kelly Bakery and Murphy's Mercantile. I kid you not, it actually said Mercantile on the sign. Old-timey gas lamps lined the road on either side, all burning, and as I walked, the road led me to a roundabout with a stone monolith erected at its center. On top was a sculpture of, well, a cat. A large stone cat sitting on its haunches and looking very regal or something. This village is one of the quaintest places I've ever laid eyes on, but no people. Not a soul in sight. I called out, but no one answered back. Nothing. I noticed a plaque affixed to the front of the monolith in the middle of the roundabout and walked up to read it. Not surprisingly, it said something like, Dedicated to the cats of Carn Hollow, our noble protectors. I about had a heart attack when I heard a meowing sound and thought the statue had come to life. I jumped back and, looking up, saw a very real cat. A Siamese, I think, lying next to the stone one and eyeing me with a curious look. Well, I laughed in spite of myself and said something like, Hello, cat. Then I said, I'm glad there's someone here. I was beginning to get a bit worried. The cat seemed pleased with that. It stretched its head toward me like it wanted a scratch, and I reached up and obliged it. I asked if it was hungry, and it seemed to perk up at that question, so I gave it some of my leftover cod, which it gobbled up eagerly, purring happily as it did. See, I told you my leftovers would factor in. Anyway, as the cat was greedily nibbling the fish from my fingers, it was then I noticed it was wearing a collar with a tag hanging from it. It read simply, BAST which I thought was fitting since I recalled something about an Egyptian cat deity by the name of Bast or Bastet. Anyway, Bast, like most cats I guess, quickly seemed to become bored with our interaction, jumped off the monolith and started off. Then it stopped and looked back at me. I almost got the impression it wanted me to follow, but no. After a moment it turned and ran off into the night. As it did, I noticed a couple of other felines at the perimeter of the roundabout, a black cat and what looked like a calico. They both took off after Bast and disappeared from sight. It was a curious encounter, but I didn't really think much of it. I took to checking the shops for people, and even though they all had lights on and their signs indicated they were open, I found no one. I discovered food left uneaten on tables in a small cafe, beverages half drunk in the pub, which is where I am now, by the way, but not a single patron in any of the stores. It was as if they all just got up, walked out, and left the village. I mean, I haven't gone anywhere else, haven't checked anyone's homes, but it's still strange, yeah? I guess that's my next move. Go further into the village. Go door to door. I mean, someone's got to be around still. They can't all have gone. Right? Anyway, I guess I'll let you know what I find. Victoria, I'm back in the pub trying to hide. There's something here, 
in this village. And it's looking for me. It chased me. At first I thought it was some kind of wild animal, a bear or something, but it definitely is not that. I... After my last message, I left the pub. I searched all the shops lining the main road, finding nothing. Then I branched out to the surrounding cobblestone streets, primarily consisting of modest cottages which were obviously people's homes. And like the businesses in the center of the village, some of them still had lights on. But as I knocked on the doors, scouring the village for any sign of its residents, no one answered. No one. I was racking my brain, trying to figure out what might have happened to them, but then I sensed something stalking me. I felt that familiar pain in my back. That was my first sign I was not alone. Even on these side roads, gas lamps provided a modicum of light, but whatever was following me kept to the shadows. At first, I could sense its presence, always behind me, but when I would look, I couldn't see anything. I started making my way back to the center of town, and that's when I felt it coming for me. I ran, not looking back, too afraid to look back, even though I knew if I did, I would see it, see what it was, but I couldn't. I just ran, ran back here and... Shh, wait. I think it's outside. I definitely see a shadow through that window. Oh God, it's here. I... Victoria, it's gone. But I think I'm... This... Maybe it. I think maybe my luck's run out. This may be my last message... And I wanted you to know what... What happened. I know now where all the people went. Or at least, I know why they left in such a hurry. That thing. That monster. Certainly not the first monster I've seen on this journey. The thing in the purple muscle car. The creature in the forest in Colorado. The conductor... This one was not like any of those others, and it didn't display any hesitance in its desire to do me harm. It came for me in the pub, and I laid eyes on it for the first time. It appeared to be some sort of demonic thing. It stood on two legs and had leathery skin, like a shriveled, mummified corpse. But it wasn't, nor had it ever been, a person... Its torso and limbs were thin, emaciated. Each of its arms and legs ended not with a hand or foot, but a massive razor-sharp talon, which it used to claw its way across the room toward me. And as it did, two bat-like wings, also tipped with talons, extended from the creature's back. And as terrifying as all that appeared, it was the thing's face that sent shockwaves of horror through my entire being. Or rather, its lack of face. The demon's head contained no features other than a gaping and salivating maw filled with rows upon rows of needle-like teeth. I don't remember if I screamed. Probably. I, I don't know. But I ran. And I'm amazed now I was able to do it. I found a door in the back and went through it, into an alley which I followed. I could hear the monster pursuing me, so I just kept running. No plan, no inkling of an idea of what to do, just 
doing my level best to try and get away, but also somehow knowing I wouldn't be able to. I suppose I thought if I could get enough distance between me and it, maybe I could find a place to hide, but it was coming so fast. Before long, I realized I was in the woods that surrounded the village. I kept running, running, but then I was falling or sliding really down a hill. It's a wonder I didn't break anything, but even if I had, it wouldn't have mattered. When I reached the bottom of the incline, I kept moving forward, stumbling forward until I entered a little clearing. But then it was on me. It occurred to me in that moment I hadn't even heard it behind me for some time, and as it grabbed me I realized it had been in the air. A searing pain tore through my body and I became acutely aware the thing's talons were boring into me, tearing into me. I heard a gurgling noise above me. I looked up to see the creature's knife-filled mouth above my head, viscous spittle dripping from it onto me, burning me. I, I thought, well... This is it. This is the moment I die. But it wasn't. Not that particular moment, anyway. I, I heard a familiar sound then. A curious sound. The hiss of a cat. The creature dropped me and I fell from a height. I hadn't realized it had lifted me up off the ground. I began dragging myself across the clearing frantically struggling to get away from the thing. The hissing behind me multiplied. I risked a glance behind me and, there at the center of the clearing, crouched atop a neatly stacked pile of stones. The Siamese, vast, back-arched, fur bristling wildly. The cat hissed at the winged creature, which seemed to have lost all interest in me and the monster screeched back at the cat, which I saw then wasn't alone. The black cat and the calico were there in the clearing as well. But not just them. A half dozen other cats were there too, all hissing menacingly at the monster. And to my amazement, more cats were pouring into the clearing. Dozens of them. It might have been my imagination, but the creature, it seemed panicked. It lifted off the ground as if to take flight into the night sky, but as it turned, Bast leapt, landed on the thing's back, seeking its teeth into it, right between its flapping wings. The other cats lunged as well. They clawed and bit at the thing, tearing its flesh, its wings, dragging it to the ground where the cats rushed and swarmed over the monster. And before I knew it, all I could see was a mound of thrashing fur and arcs of black blood. After a few moments, the creature's screams stopped, but that vicious hissing didn't. It went on. And on, I decided I needed to get away from there. Not that I thought the cats meant me any harm, but it was just all too bizarre. I was in pain and bleeding, but I managed to get to my feet and make my way out of that clearing and somehow out of the woods, back into the village. My legs finally failed me in the circle at the village's center. And there I stayed leaning against the monolith. Even now, the one with the stone cat atop it, I'm weak, and I can barely keep my eyes open now. I don't know the extent of my injuries, and I'm not really in a position to assess. 
but it seems like there's a lot of blood. Which I guess is why I think this might be it. I'm tired, Victoria. I'm really tired now. I'm sorry. Tell Michael if you hear from him. I'm sorry. 